This inspiring message comes to you from Impact Church in Kingston, Ontario, where we are committed to living like Jesus and loving like Jesus. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. I want to read a story to you this morning. It uh, goes like this. A man from the back mountains of Tennessee found himself one day in a large city uh, for the first time standing outside of an elevator. Uh, He watched as an elderly woman hobbled on with the help of a cane, and then the doors closed behind her. A few minutes later, the doors opened, and a young, attractive woman marched smartly off. And the father hollered to his youngest son, Billy, go get mama. (laughs) How many wish that we could make a change just as simple as that, right? And so I know uh, when we talked last week, uh, if you were not here last Sunday, I want to encourage you to do one of two things. Uh, better, both would be even better. First thing is this. I want you to listen to the message from last Sunday. You can get it online at www.impactkingston.com. And the second thing is this. I want you to go on that homepage, and I want you to click on my blog called Traction. And I want you to read that because I believe that we are in an exciting season. We're in a season of momentum, um, but we know that we need traction to get to the next level. How many know that in your own individual lives, you need traction in order to go somewhere? How many realized that first thing this morning when it was snowing? Right. How in the world could I be outside in a t-shirt playing hockey yesterday morning in 15 degrees and wake up this morning and we were awakened to Gracie and Abigail screaming from the rooftops, it's snowing, daddy, it's snowing. And I was like, oh my goodness, Lord, you are, that's brutal. But then he kind of, you know, you can kind of say it like this. He wanted to give me a real life illustration of what I'm uh, talking about this morning. So he gave it to me in less than 24 hours. Um, But how many know that transition at times can be difficult? How many know that transition in our personal lives can be difficult? Right? How many know that even though we know that we're not satisfied with where we're at in our individual lives, there's something about what we don't know that scares us? It gives us anxiety. It gives us, uh, you know, we, we, you know, to quote one of my favorite movies, it causes trepidation for those that would know all the kids' movies that I've seen. Um, but here's what I want you to see this morning. Is that with everything in life, hey, he's going to come preach a sermon. That's okay. That's awesome. That's awesome. Next time he can, he can baptize people then too. That's awesome. But I want to say this morning, we, we are shifting. It's exciting. But with the shift comes a lot, of, uh, a lot of things connected to it. The definition for the word shift literally means to change the place, the position, or the direction of something or someone. How many know the shift key on your keyboard? How many use it regularly? How many know that you usually use it for about two or three different things consistently? One would be that it's a modifier key on your keyboard. The second thing is, is it always modifies lowercase to uppercase. And sometimes it modifies um, numbers to symbols. It's all of those different things. But once we understand that, we understand that at the end of the day, the shift key is a modifier key. It's a modifier. How many believe that sometimes in life we get modified into what God wants us to do? We get adjusted, we get shifted, we get changed, amen? Well, prophetically, 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 there's three different things. Keep your focus here, guys, for a second. Prophetically, there's three different things that God wants us to do as we prepare for January the 8th, uh, 2016. The first thing is this. How many know that whenever you see transition, you've got to start something? Right? How many know that to begin a sentence, you have to start with the shift key in a letter in order to capitalize the beginning of a sentence? In other words, you need to 
you need to literally adjust something and to leave what is behind. Leave that last sentence. Some of us literally have to leave the last chapter of our lives in order to pick up the new one. Some of us, other friends and people around us are dictating to us what this chapter should be in our lives. And what we need to do is hear, God, what is your, uh, what's your idea? What's your heart on the next chapter of my life? It starts something. The second thing is this, is it transforms something. How many know if you want to make a point, you just hit the shift key and capitalize every single letter, bold it, asterisk it, put a little emoticon at the back, and you're good to go. Now they've really got your point. I don't know if you know in the Bible, they didn't have emojis. I don't know if you ever checked that, but there's no emojis in your Bible unless you have personally drawn them in, which if you have, there's going to be a special prayer session after for people uh, that really need help and, you know, whatever. But the reality is, is in the Bible, they couldn't put an emoji. So what they did is they repeated a word three times. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Really what he's saying is, holy, bold, italicized, exclamation mark, emoji, 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 thumbs up. And then you know God's cool with that, right? So that's what they did. But what is God modifying in us? What is he shifting in us? Not only does it start something, it transforms something. But the last thing is this. It highlights something. What is God highlighting in your life right now? What is God highlighting in our church right now? You know where I'm landing? God is highlighting growth. (laughs) We added another row again this morning. And that didn't seem to contain it all. So we're just going to go to two services because we want to be available for the people or the people that God brings our way. I want to read an incredible verse this morning. Habakkuk chapter 1 verse 5 in the NLT, it says this. Look around at the nations. Just don't look at the U.S. Look around at all the other nations. Look around at all the other nations. Not our neighbor to the south. And look and be amazed. For I am doing something in your own day, something you wouldn't believe, even if someone told you about it. The Bible is full of shifts and changes. Isaiah 43, verses 18 to 19, it says, Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. I remember when we left Oshawa, there was an excitement about planning a church. But there was also the recognition and realization that this is crazy. What in the world are we doing? Like, what happens if it doesn't work? What happens if no one shows up? What happens if people leave after the first week because of how bad my corny jokes are? That was a personal insecurity in my life that I've seemed to have gotten over, which you have bear the brunt of that weekly. But that's all good. But then I thought to myself, what is it that we did going from the Cineplex to KCS? Some of us would say, well, the Cineplex had outworn its welcome. And certain days, I would agree with you. Other days, I'm like, you know, that's a really cool 60-foot screen. And I really like the fact that I could have my Tim Hortons right here in my cup holder while I recline back and sleep while Pastor Cameron sleep, uh, preaches. There's something about it that's just awesome. But you know what happened? The moment that we moved from the Cineplex to KCS, guess what happened? We grew. We grew by about 30 to 35 people in a matter of a couple of months. I believe that we're going to see the same thing happen with two services. This verse is interesting. Isaiah 43, if we can just keep it up there, around, that'd be awesome. Isaiah 43 literally says this. Behold, 
Do you know what it actually means in the, in the Hebrew? And I'm going to put it down to kitty language for us. Surprise! That's literally what it means. God's got a surprise for you. Behold, it literally means it. Word is surprise. It says, I will do a new thing. It literally means that there will be, it will be unprecedented in its wonder. Now is the time, he's saying. It shall spring forth. It will grow abundantly. That's what the Hebrew means. It will spring forth. It will grow abundantly. Do you believe that we're at that precipice right now as a church? Do you believe that this morning? Amen? But with every transition comes a whole pile of other things. But do you know that throughout church history, the church in the Bible had to transition? The nation of Israel had to transition from Egypt to the promised land. How many know that was a good deal? Right? Uh, We had to move. They had to move in the Old Testament from the tabernacle, which was a portable church mentality, because they were carrying the uh, the tabernacle everywhere they went. So it was portable church uh, to the temple, which was permanent. That would be nice, Lord. Just wanted to let you know. Okay. All right. As if you haven't heard me say that, but that's okay. Uh, It is going from the Holy Spirit without us, around us, to the Holy Spirit within us. What a transformation in the book of Acts, where the Holy Spirit was in them and empowered them to do things that they could not ever do in the natural. I know we got a lot of students here today, but I want to challenge our students this morning, whether you're from Queens, whether you're from RMC, whether you're in high school, whether you're at St. Lawrence, whether you're in public school, it doesn't matter. Can you imagine what it takes or what will happen if you walk out with an audacious faith that says, I'm actually going to believe that what the Bible says is true, and I'm going to go for it, and I'm going to tell people about the gospel, and I'm going to lay my hands on the sick because I'm going to believe that they're going to recover, and I'm going to, I'm going to speak to people that are struggling and depressed and discouraged, and we're going to see them in their right mind in an instant. Do you believe that this morning? People in the Old Testament and the New Testament had to make a shift. Moses went from the prince of Egypt to the pastor of God's people. He had to shift because he left the pleasures of Egypt, and it wasn't good. Amen? David had to go from a shepherd boy to the pastoral heart king of Israel. Saul, the persecutor of the church, became the greatest missionary of the church and wrote 14 books, over half of the New Testament, and we still read about his works today. What do you need to shift in your life? Amen? Amen. It's interesting enough, but there's a shift that happens in Jesus' ministry. I'm just going to read this quickly because I want to come to an end here. Mark chapter 8, verses 31 to 33, it says this. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. Now, you have to understand the context. Up until this part in his life, the only thing that Jesus represented or Jesus talked about was the fact that he was a master teacher. He was a master communicator. He had at least... 17 TED Talks daily of which people were blown away, right? And he wasn't limited to 12 to 15 minutes. He went way beyond. One day, he actually went all day. 5,000 people on the side of a mountain. He was a miracle worker. He was the compassionate pastor. He was the prophetic voice. He was the messenger sent by God. But to that moment, something shifted. Yes, Jesus. Jesus just called us all royal. I have to get my TR. I forgot it at home. I'm sorry. Oh, that's awesome. Royal. Okay, here we go. Moving right along. 
But something shifted here. He wanted them to see there was a change in focus. Change in focus. There was a shift here. It goes on in this passage. It literally says in verse 33, but when he had turned around, oh, sorry, then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, verse 32. And But when he had turned around and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter saying, get behind me, Satan, for you're not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Peter just went from saying, God, you're the Christ, the son of the living God, and then a couple of sentences later he denies, or he doesn't deny, but he literally gets rebuked and be called Satan by Jesus. What a great conversation he was having. Verse 34 and 35, it says, And when he had called the people to himself with his disciples also, he said to them, Whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. So the shift came in here. The shift came from just participating or experiencing the benefit of Jesus to saying, I'm going to follow him and become like Jesus. How many know that there's only, there only comes a, a certain time in your life, just like Justin shared, which was awesome this morning, where you can hear Jesus knocking on the door of your heart before you finally throw the white flag up and say, I surrender. Jesus didn't call us to make converts. He called us to make disciples. He didn't call us to tickle someone's ears with something that sounds really nice and pretty. He called us to put Jesus in front of them so that they'd understand what it would take to become a follower of Christ. Here comes the shift in verse 36. It says, for what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Here's the shift. Jesus looked at them and says, I want you to think not from gaining the world anymore but to keeping your soul, keeping your soul. Great author, I, and I was trying to find the, the author of this, but I couldn't find it, but I just, the quote is incredible. It says, we've got to let go of what you cannot keep to gain what you cannot lose. And I love that. You've got to let go uh, of what you cannot keep to gain what you cannot lose. Jesus understood that in everyone's life there comes a moment where you have to make a decision. Are you going to just admire Jesus from afar, or are you going to say, no, I'm going to make a decision to live for him? And most of us in this room have already made that decision, but not all of us. And so I want to challenge you this morning before you leave. I want you to challenge you to have the courage to make the shift, to allow the Holy Spirit to modify your life, to actually put a little couple of emojis and a little uh, thumbs-up sign at the end of your life before you leave this morning. Amen? Matthew 6, 6 says this. Here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet secluded place, so you won't be tempted to role play with God, or before God. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. The focus will shift from you to God, and you will begin to sense His grace. The moment that your heart starts to shift from you to God, there you experience His grace. What is His grace? His absolutely unmerited, undeserved favor, His empowerment to be able to overcome. How many want that in your life? But we'll look at God's further promise in Isaiah 54, verse 10. It says this, the mountains may shift. In other words, the circumstances in your life will shift. And the hills may be shaken, but my faithful love won't shift from you. And my covenant of peace won't be shaken, says the Lord. His covenant of peace, his love for you will never be removed. It's always there. You can never get away from it. How many know that... Um, 
you can run from God, but you can't hide. I remember when I grew up and I was a teenager, I had the word of the Lord spoken over me so many times. You're going to pastor. You're going to do this. You're going to do this for God. And when I became 18, uh, when I was 18 years of age, 19 years of age, I fell into the worst depression of my life. And you know what constantly happened through that next three and a half, three to three and a half years of depression and suicidal thoughts and tendencies and a darkness that I can't even begin to describe? Do you know what happened? Everywhere I went, God showed up. It was driving me nuts. Everywhere I went, someone would show up and say, oh, God loves you. Hey, I just wanted to let you know God loves you. I'm like, shut up. And then, you know, then you feel bad. And then someone does it again, and then you do it again. And then you don't feel bad because you become desensitized to all the times you tell people to shut up. But it was like God was chasing me everywhere. I believe there's people in this room this morning that God is chasing you. He's chasing you. I believe there are some shifts that we have done as a church that we've done really, really well. I believe that we've shifted from the early days of events to relationships. How many know relationships are always better than events? We shifted from ministers to equippers as leaders, and I think that's a great thing because we want to equip you to do the call of ministry. I believe that we've shifted many years ago in our first couple of years of, of, of our life, we shifted from consumers to contributors. How many know that's a good thing, right? From spectators to participators. How many know that's a good thing? But there's some things that I think that are still on our equation, still on our, on our, uh, our lives and on our minds that we need to continue to adjust to. Number one is a generational shift. I think we've done it well. But we want to be more intentional. We want to be more intentional about what we do with young people, what we do with uh, youth, with our kids, with our young adults. Because how many know that they're the generation that is going to do things that we could never do? We need to support them. We can't be intimidated by them. We cannot be insecure around them. We've got to empower them to do what God's called them to do because they have a sphere of influence that we don't have. That was a good word. Thank you. Amen. All right. We need to go from a power shift from human ability to a Holy Spirit-led supernatural ability. We need to go from a growth shift from believers who believe to disciples who disciple. We need to go from an intercession shift from a church that prays to a praying church because there's a big difference. I'm glad we pray, but we need to go to a whole other level and we need to pray like we've never prayed before. It needs to be second nature to us. That's why we're doing a whole month of prayer in January with anticipation of the change and everything. Isaiah 35, verse 4, and I'm going to end uh, with two verses here. Tell those who worry, the anxious and fearful, take strength, have courage. There's nothing to fear. Look here, your God. Right here is your God. The balance is shifting. God will right all wrongs. None other than God will give you success. He is coming to make you safe. And this is what I believe God is doing for all of us right now. How many know with change and transition comes a little bit of anxiety and worry about what we're doing? Right. I have news for you. It's going to be smooth. As a matter of fact, I'm going to calm your fears in a 10 or 15-minute meeting for every single person that volunteers in any capacity after the service on December the 4th, right here. We're going to go through 15 minutes of basic logistics, and you're going to get to the end of that and realize it's going to be smooth. Sandra and I have already been through this transition. It was so smooth. It was actually crazy smooth. We didn't have one hiccup, not one, in the transition that we did. Um, But I love this. I'm going to end with this verse. Because God is calling us to make a shift. Ephesians 3, verses 19 to 21, it says, I pray that you will know the love of Christ, because his love goes beyond anything we can understand. I pray that you will be filled with God himself, because God is able to do much more than we ask or think through his power working in us. May we see his shining greatness in the church.
That's what he's calling us to. Can we be the shining greatness of Christ, not only to the city, but through every single thing that we do, from small groups to equip classes to encounters to prayer meetings to coffee shop uh, encounters to uh, events or things that we have in each other's houses? God is calling us to shift, not because something's wrong, but because something's better on the other side. To stay with one service would say, this is about us. To go to two, it says it's about those that don't know Christ. That's why we're doing it. We're making room for more. Thank you for taking the time to listen to one of our messages from Impact Church. We hope and trust that this message encouraged you. If you want to find out more information about our church, check us out online at www.impactkingston.com. 